I'm Bill. And I'm T-Dog. And this is Two, two Films, films too, too Curious. curious. Where the two of us watch two movies. And we're curious about them. Yes. So this month is October, for those of you who didn't know. And October is the month where you just watch scary movies. And you post to Instagram. Yes. <laughs> Literally the only time I ever post to Instagram is during the month of October. And I post all the scary movies that I've seen. I have seen a number. Uh, I'm coming up on, what is this, Halloween 8. I've seen the I've seen all the first eight Halloweens so far as I'm watching Halloween Resurrection on the TV right now. It's not playing right now. Obviously, we're recording right now, <laughs> but it's paused and I've got 22 minutes left. Anyways, uh, we decided that we would do eh, not really scary movies, spooky adjacent uh, yep. and talk about uh, something that's a little bit more Halloween specific and less horror specific. Just the idea of these like weird cult classic movies that have just, well, these are both musicals. So we're also talking about like musical movies, but also they're Halloween related because they're kind of spooky and have weird spooky elements. And they're also mm-hmm. uh, midnight movies, which <clears throat> let's talk about what a midnight. Oh, I guess first we got to thank all our patrons. Uh-huh. It's like I've never even done this before. Thank you to our patrons on Patreon, uh, co-tagonists Nick and Chris, uh, who have been our patrons for a while now, as well as uh, Two Films, Three Curious alum, Brenda, sponsor of What Do You Do, MCU, which is a, a special spot on our uh, special features. Uh, the next one of which is Iron Man 3. Yep. And so you can hear that at the beginning of November. Uh, but <clears throat> if you want to be a patron on Patreon, uh, feel free to, and you, you know, you should want to. Yeah. I mean, I want to, but I can't because it's <laughs> then just, you're just giving it, me half the money that you put on it. Right. Well, and then they're going to take taxes out of that and whatever else. So it's like, yeah. it's, it's like laundering your money, but worse, but yeah. you guys should do it <laughs> much less efficient. <laughs> I know I'm really selling it here. You guys should do it if you want. Uh, anyways, that is that. Uh, but let's talk about what a midnight movie is. So Wikipedia says this about midnight movies. The term midnight movie is rooted in the practice that emerged in the 1950s of local television stations around the United States airing low-budget genre films as late-night programming, often with a host deriving ironic asides. Delivering, sorry, ironic asides. Uh, as a cinematic phenomenon, the midnight screening of offbeat movies began in the early 1970s in a few urban centers, particularly in New York screenings of, uh, with screenings of El Topo at the Elgin Theater, uh, El Topo is apparently a very weird movie, although I've not seen it. Uh, and then eventually spreading across the, across the country. The streaming of the screening of non-mainstream pictures at midnight was aimed at building a cult film audience, encouraging repeat viewing and social interaction in what was originally a countercultural setting. The national success of the Rocky Horror Picture Show and the changing economics of the film exhibition industry altered the nature of the midnight movie phenomenon as its association with broader trends of cultural and political opposition dwindled in the 1980s, the midnight movie became a more purely camp experience, in effect, bringing it closer to the television form that shares its name. The term midnight movie is now often used in two different, though related ways, as a synonym for B-movie, reflecting the relative cheapness characteristic of late-night movies, both theatrically and on TV, and as a synonym for cult film. So... Uh, one of the things that a lot of midnight movies have, or the the more popular midnight movies, 
uh, is audience participation. For example, uh, if you were to go see Rocky Horror Picture Show literally anywhere in the nation or probably internationally at a theater right now, a lot of theaters still show it, you're gonna, you're not going to see the Rocky Horror Picture Show, the movie, which ultimately is probably for the best because all things considered, it's not a bad movie, but especially at the end, it's not a great movie. It's an okay movie, but you're going there for the audience participation. Uh, TV Tropes has this to say, the Rocky Horror Picture Show redefined audience participation to the point that there's practically an entire script for what to yell at the actors and what props to throw. The actors that they're referring to are a shadow cast. A shadow cast is a group of actors dressed up as people in the movie, acting out parts of the movie, either like following the script exactly or intentionally not following the script for comedic purposes uh, in front of the movie as the movie is playing. The whole thing started when an audience member responded to Janet, one of the characters in Rocky Horror Picture Show, using a newspaper to protect herself from the rain by yelling, buy an umbrella, you cheap bitch. It just escalated from there. Most theaters that regularly show the movie have also have a cast of volunteer actors who will perform in front and get generally engage the viewers as the film is shown, either adhering to the original audience script, as I said, or more commonly making up new jokes all the time in tune with pop culture and current events. You're almost guaranteed to never see the same exact Rocky twice. We watched Metallica's Through the Never mm-hmm. and Repo the Genetic Opera. Now, Metallica's Through the Never... I think for reasons that we will discuss later on does not have this kind of cult following. It doesn't have a shadow cast. People aren't showing it. It's not that way, but repo does. And TV trip says again, repo, the genetic opera shadow casts run on audience participation. The show encourages audience members to stand up and sing during key songs. For example, we started this opera shit or to wave slash throw certain props, such as blue glow sticks for the for Zydrate containers, little, uh, containers of of medicine that they have in the in the movie at other key moments. The show also has a number of callbacks delivered in the Mystery Science Theater three thousand tradition, uh, which makes a particular callback fairly obvious, given that the first words shown in the film are in the not too distant future. So, like they'll say something, and the audience is supposed to immediately reply back, just like the the Janet line in Rocky Horror Picture Show. Uh, and sometimes you have a script, or sometimes it's like, did you were you did you ever take theater in high school? No. Nope. So you may have still played this game. It's a game called Mao. It's a card game. It sounds and the familiar. Point, the point of the card game is that the first time you play, you don't know any of the rules and you're punished for it. You learn the rules as you play. It's like a and, hazing card game. Yeah, essentially. And then as you play, like at the end of each round, whoever wins makes up a new rule and doesn't tell anybody. And then as they break the rule, you get like you're supposed to, you want to run out of cards mm-hmm. and you get cards as your punishment. So a lot of shadow casts, if they don't give you the script, it's because they want to shame you for not knowing what it is. It's this whole thing. Uh, that when sounds I like Rocky a horrible Horror, game. <laughs> I'm not on board you know, with that. <laughs> I got to say that in the moment it was fun, but I feel like, I only played it because there were a bunch of theater people that were like, hey, you want to play this game? And I'm like, sure, why not? And then I got it. I'm like, okay, I get it now. And then it was fun after that. I don't think that I would ever be like, hey, everybody, want to come over and play a game of Mao? No. And similarly, when I went to Rocky Horror, uh, the like to go see the Shadow Cast in Austin, they were like, if you've never done it before, if you're a virgin, stand up and we're going to tease you about it. I'm like, you know what? No. <laughs> I'm going to lie. <laughs> 
I know enough about it to know things, but I'm not going to, I'm here for the spectacle of it. I'm not here for the audience participation, which I guess ruins it for, for some people, but that's not, that's not my jam so much. Anyways, let's talk about the two movies that we watched. Uh, Metallica's Through the Never and Repo the Genetic Opera. Why don't you give us a summary of Metallica? So should we say that this movie has very little dialogue? Yeah, There's like a lot of singing by Metallica, <laughs> obviously. Um, so let's see. I'm going to try to skip a little bit of this. So we have our main guy. His name is Trip. I forget that he even has a name. Yeah, I only know because it says it on this. <laughs> uh, he's a roadie for Metallica. He he's kind of skateboarding around. He ends up getting to where the concert is. Um, Metallica comes out. It's I think it's in Vancouver is what they end up saying, like for the actual concert venue. Um, yeah. As the band starts playing like their first song, Trip's boss tells him that he needs to bring gas to his stranded truck, some, carrying something, quote, very important to the band. Van needs it. Van needs it. It's very important. It's very important. Uh, Trip takes a pill, a red and blue capsule, and then he takes off. Uh, probably shouldn't have done them drugs, as we're going to find out as he goes around. Um, drugs are bad. Okay. As he's driving around, all the streets are deserted. He gets distracted by his map, and then it's T-boned. By the time he... I'm going to say, while this, all this is happening, Metallica's playing a lot of different Metallica songs, basically, as this yeah. stuff happens in the background. We probably spend 60% of the movie just watching Metallica play their uh, music, pretty much. Yeah. At, um, at least, at least 60%. Yeah, 60, uh, maybe even 70. Yeah. Uh, Trip crawls out of the van. He sees the other driver of the car who's standing there. He's like, hey, and then the driver turns around and then starts running. You're like, that's weird. Uh, Tripper <laughs> C, he retrieves the gas tank, a map, and a doll with a noose around its neck from the van. Uh, and then he wanders down the street. He sees a police horse carrying a dead police officer, kind of dragging him behind. A uh, bunch of people run past him. A bunch of police cruisers drive past him. He end, eventually, he ends up in the middle of the street, and he's standing like right between a bunch of riot police and a bunch of rioters. <laughs> Huge fight busts out. Uh, Trip just kind of runs away. A rider in a gas mask emerges on an armored horse and kind of chases him down with a sledgehammer. He lassos the rider, um, throws a brick at him. The rider ends up chasing him more. He loses, Trip loses that weird doll that was being hung, or hanged, I should say. Um, Hargand. He escapes through all the rioters, just finds Bodies hanging on bridges. It, <laughs> something bad happened in Vancouver that night. <laughs> no one knows about it except for him, apparently. Um, he finds the truck he's looking for, but the driver doesn't even notice him. He goes into the back, and he opens, he grabs a leather bag, opens it, and then continues on. It's just a MacGuffin, is, is what it is. Um, right, it's very Pulp Fiction. Yeah, we you have no idea what it is. Um, he sees a figure waving at him from a distance. Uh, he grabs the bag and the can of gas. He jumps out of the truck and flees. Gets cornered in the alley by the rioters. I guess the police, I guess they killed all the police officers. I, I don't know what ha- how they got away. Um, so he gets cornered, puts his bandana around his mouth, puts up his hood, lights himself on fire, starts like going crazy trying to fight him. 
they kick his ass anyway. Because <laughs> turns out that fire damage is also self-inflicted. But then he wakes up on the roof of a building, totally fine. Inexplicably, yeah. Uh, the doll that he lost earlier was now animated, approaches the leather bag. As he gets up, he gets lassoed by the horse rider. He grabs the rider's hammer to free himself and slams the roof with it. Shock waves go across the city, breaking a bunch of glass. Uh, the reverberation actually affects Metallica's concert and knocks down a bunch of their stuff, cuts the power and some stuff. Um, the band just decides to continue the concert anyway without their pyrotechnics and crazy light show. Uh, Trip returns to the stadium with the bag under his arm. That's it. That's it? That's the whole movie? Yeah. It feels like... So... <clears throat> It feels like in the Ralph Bakshi Lord of the Rings where when you get to the end of it, it sort of really abruptly ends because there was supposed to be yeah. a sequel. <clears throat> it feels like that because you get to the end and you're like, oh, 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 there's credits going. That's fucking weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I so think most, ultimately... Most of the movie is just Metallica jamming away. Yeah, and then it's like, it. I mean, it, it is essentially, it's a, it's a concert movie, but it, it feels like just a long music video. Right down to the fact that there's a lot of music videos that are just like weird, like half plot ideas because and they don't have to make it interspersed with the then, band playing. Yeah, <laughs> right. And really then Metallica's like, "What if we take one of those and make it a whole movie?" And then people are like, "That sounds like a bad idea." And they're like, "We're really great at bad ideas." Because Metallica, is, you, know, you can't say no. The Black Album, right? <laughs> so, uh, Repo the Genetic Opera, like a real opera has a very convoluted plot full oh, yeah. of lots of twists and turns, a lot of ins and outs and what have you. Uh, but <clears throat> so the, like the, the prologue thing, there are a lot of like interspersed titles in Re- repo, the genetic opera that are like comic book pages. Very cool. But the, mm-hmm. the beginning of the movie says that uh, in the year 2056, an epidemic of organ failures has gone across the planet and people have gotten really sick but uh a mega corp called gene co uh does like organ transplant uh but as a payment plan and if you miss your payments the repo man comes and repossesses your organs generally speaking leaving you dead uh like a regular opera this is entirely sung I think that there's like someone yells no once and besides that and the comic book parts, which have no spoken dialogue. There's no, that's, that's it. It's all singing. Mm -hmm. So the plot is, is that uh, the head of Gene Cole is dying and he, I guess, can't use any of his pharmaceutical industry stuff to make himself not die. Uh, and he feels like all of his children are fuck ups because they are. And so he's not. Maybe he just wants to him. die. Maybe he just wants to die. Yeah. I mean, based on the way the world is, that seems reasonable. Uh, all of his children are fuck ups and he doesn't want to leave his company to any of them. So uh, he instead decides that he's going to leave it to the daughter of the woman that he loved. Who is also the daughter like her. Her mom was this woman that the head of Jinko loved, and she was like, I don't love you. And she decided instead to marry a man, uh, and then he was a doctor, and the head of Jinko like, killed the woman and was told the doctor, oh, it was your fault. You fucked up. 
And so to like help him out, he's like, why don't you just be one of my repo men? And so now he works for the head of Gene Co., not knowing that any of this went on. Anyways, uh, that repo man, whose name is Nathan, I guess, uh, tells his daughter, Shiloh, the girl that is going to theoretically inherit Gene Co., uh, that she's sick. She's got the same disease that her mother had, and she has to stay indoors. It's like but a blood, she sneaks out every yeah, and a blood problem. Right. She sneaks out every so often because it's that kind of a movie. She's 17. She's a kid, right, yeah. And she, uh, like, her dad's like, no, you got to stay. You're going to get sick. And that's when she meets the head of Gene Co., who's like, hey, like, you want to be a singer, right? You should meet uh, this other lady that works for me. And she's, like, the most amazing singer. She's like, hell, yeah, I want to do that. Uh, And then, like, she gets to this thing, and she's, like, freaking out, like, this is too much. And so she leaves to go home. And when she gets home, her dad's like, what the fuck? You're not supposed to do that. You're not supposed to go out. And then the singer shows up and she's like, I know your parents and like your I'm mom. Your godmother. This. Yeah, I'm your godmother. And her dad is like, there's some shit going on. Anyways, the head of Gene Co. invites the girl uh, to come with him to this big performance thing. To the opera. She, to the opera. Yeah, to the opera. And the, they're going to the repo, the genetic opera. Right. Oh, that's why they called it that. So he takes her there. And once she gets there, uh, he tells her, like, your dad, your dad killed your mom and your disease is fake. And she's like, what the fuck? And the dad is like, I didn't know that I killed her. That's fucked up. But yeah, also your disease is fake. I just didn't want you to die. Or I didn't want you to leave me too. Very... Stockholm syndrome. Oh, no. Munchausen's by proxy. That's the one. And uh, she freaks out. And I don't, a lot of people die at the end. I feel like like the Metallica movie. No, like Rocky Horror Picture Show, the end is kind of a mess. Anyways, the head of Gene Co. ends up dying. Uh, the dad ends up dying and the girl is like, I wash my hands of all of this. I'm not going to be a part of your fucking weird ass shit. And so the head of Gene Co's kids end up getting Gene Co anyways. They, they become the head of the company. Uh, so yeah. They seem to I, be a little bit better at that point, maybe. Yeah, well, at the very least, they're the better daughter, at working together. Yeah. So, but they, uh, yeah, that's, that's Repo the Genetic Opera. Uh, unlike Metallica's Through the Never, where the songs are all distinct songs, Repo the Genetic Opera doesn't really have distinct songs. Mm-hmm. They sort of just run one into the other. Which and a very like spoken not... word for a lot of the stuff too. Right. There's not a lot of uh, like standout songs, although Thankless Job is pretty great. And so is uh, the Genetic Repo Man main theme. And uh, oh, what's the other one that I really like? I like the one when remember. the dad is remembering being a repo man and he cuts that guy up. Yeah, that's and thankless they try to job. convince him. That's thankless job. Okay, good. I think so. Yeah, I like that song. That's my favorite one in the movie. I think it's a it's a I think that it's disappointingly, actually, I think that it's a much better movie than Metallica's Through the Never, which is disappointing because on. <laughs> That's not much to compare uh, against. <laughs> well, it's not much to compare against A, but B on the on Rotten Tomatoes, no. Yeah, on Rotten Tomatoes, the critic score 
for Metallica's Through the Never is like 73, and for Repo, it's like 40. Which I guess if you're judging the movies on like composition, like Metallica's Through the Never is shot better. If you're trying to say, if you're judging it as a film. Right. Which we would never do here. Not on this show. Not on two movies too curious. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> what even is film? We shot all digitally now. <laughs> Anyways, those are those are the two movies that we watched. Uh, Tyler, you had seen Metallica's Through the Never before. Is that true? Yes, we we had watched it. Actually, that's right. That's right. But you had not seen Repo: The Genetic mm-hmm. Opera. Was it what you were expecting? Based on the title and like the cover, which I mean, yeah. I watched on Amazon, so I just like saw a picture of the cover. I it was exactly what I expected it to be, to be honest. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so it's it seems pretty it seems like I knew not... the tiniest amount from you had watched it and I had heard and seen like the first song, I think. Yeah. And that really is like an overture. That's the whole if you like that beginning part, then you're gonna like the whole movie probably, because it's yep. just more of that. <laughs> I just watched Jennifer's Body last night. And we were reading, Devin and I were reading the um, Wikipedia page for it afterwards. And they were talking about how when it first came out, people were like, this is, eh, this is an okay horror movie. It's not great. Is um, that the Megan Fox recently, one? Yeah. In 2018, there was this big resurgence of where it's like, this is a, this is a kind of a shitty horror movie. If you think that it's a regular horror movie made for guys, this is an amazing horror movie. When you think of it as not the, not like a, damsel in distress demon movie and instead think of it as a me too era revenge story and it's amazing based on that and in fact the writer of the movie who was also the writer of juno was when they were talking about marketing it all of the marketing execs were marketing it to like straight men and she was like this is not i mean they might enjoy this movie too sure but this is not who this movie is is written for like this movie is written for like women who like horror movies and it's perfect for that. And I feel like repo, the genetic opera, it's pretty accurate telling you right up front what it is. There's, you do not have to look any further than the, the images that show up when you search for it. (laughs) The title really. (laughs) Right. Exactly. So it does not surprise me that it is exactly what you expected it to be. (laughs) Do you have any fun facts for us? I do have some fun facts. So for Through the Never, this one is interesting. Uh, The release date in the USA, which was September 27th, was the 27th anniversary of the death of Cliff Burton. I did. One of the the other earlier Metallica members. Metallica sold out when Cliff Burton died. Yeah. That was the last Slayer! Slayer! (laughs) The film's title is named after the seventh track on the Black Album, and it is never performed in the film. Which is really kind of odd, but they don't play <laughs> that it. That is odd. I never thought about that. It's on the it's on the soundtrack album, I think. Yeah, I think so. But that's odd that it's not in the movie. It's not I, performed, I yeah. never put it together. <laughs> that's crazy. Um, this one I, it isn't even really a fun fact. They, let me tell you, there's like eight fun facts for this movie, <laughs> and so this one is just that the the bag that he was sent for is a typical MacGuffin. It's it's what the yeah fun, fun fact is. It's, it absolutely is that you there anything they could put in there would make it worse, which is surprising because it's already not great. Yeah. <laughs> um, these 
Metallica in person, in real life, starts off every concert by playing Ecstasy of Gold. Um, okay. In this, they enter the stage while Ecstasy of Gold is playing. That makes sense. But I didn't know they always started their concerts off with that. They must love the bad and the ugly, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, that seems odd, but I mean, it does, I guess it fits. Like, it's a nice little warm-up thing. Yeah. It really, and, and the, it the song itself really has like a too, so. crescendo. Yeah. Um, and then and it leading in directly into Creeping Death is pretty fucking yeah. badass. Oh, so. yeah. <laughs> I I like all the songs they play in the movie, so I'm yeah, I'm a Same. fan. Uh, at 93 minutes, the film is roughly an hour shorter than an actual Metallica concert. <laughs> 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 it's one of the fun facts. <laughs> See, I don't know if I would have liked it better or worse if it was a full-length Metallica concert. I can't. Uh, I can't say. I don't know. Uh, for Repo, the genetic opera, the producers have stated this film is actually the middle part of a planned trilogy. Uh, the yeah, next chapter they, uh, would be a prequel. And it would be called Repo: The, the Beginning. Yeah, they were gonna ha- they were gonna make it, and then they couldn't get the rights back to their own story rough that's some shit uh many of the costumes worn by amber sweet and the support group members were actually paris hilton's own clothes that makes sense that makes sense um this this one's fun george romero was planned intended to make a cameo appearance but he couldn't due to scheduling conflicts oh that would have been cool cool. that 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 fits that's apropos Um, in the original original stage play, Nathan Wallace does not die. Huh. So that makes me wonder if, like, does she just decide to leave anyway, even though he's alive? Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. And yeah, the last, that's interesting. And then the last one, I love this one because I get, I just totally see it. <laughs> it was originally going to be a direct-to-DVD movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> it really does. It has that feel. And that's yep. not even like in a in a bad way. No, no. It just feels like that kind of movie. Yeah. There are plenty of great direct to DVD movies. Oh, yeah. I mean, I guess technically all of the gamers movies are that way and I love mm-hmm. those movies. A lot so. of Disney sequels are that way and some of them are good. Yeah. So I like the second Aladdin. I don't know if that was direct to DVD, but I do like that one. Return of Jafar. A classic. Let me tell oh, you no, maybe I'm thinking of the third one then. What's the one with his dad? Uh, 40 Thieves. That's the third one. The third one, then. That's what I'm thinking of. I watched that one. I remember liking that one. When I was a kid, I got Return of Jafar for my birthday one year on VHS. <laughs> and then I went and had it. Well, no, I went and I had a birthday party and someone else got me a copy of Return of Jafar <laughs> on VHS. And let me tell you, I thought it was the funniest thing <laughs> that we were going to have to go return a copy of Return of Jafar. <laughs> That shit tickled me. I thought it was hilarious. I don't remember a lot from that because I was very young, but I remember but sitting in remember. Bullwinkles. Bullwinkles was like a Rocky and Bullwinkle themed. Um, Chuck E. Cheese, essentially. Right. Yeah. And I just thought this is the funniest shit sitting there <laughs> giggling in Bullwinkles about returning Return of Jafar. That shit was the funniest thing. That's my fun fact about Return of Jafar. <laughs> Do you have any similarities and differences uh, between Metallica Through the Never and Repo the Genetic Opera? I do. I think that one of the main similarities is like the the imagery of death that is in both movies. 
Oh. I think that through the never, it's, I mean, because it really feels like the Grim Reaper, the, that po- that officer that's chasing him with a sledgehammer or whatever, that, or that yeah. guess it's a rioter, not a police officer. Um, the noose around the doll, Metallica plays Creeping Death, you know? <laughs> yeah. A lot of Metallica songs are about death anyway. They also play one, which is about wanting yeah. to die. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean. And then Repo has, I mean, it's about not dying. And then when you don't pay your money, you die. And then they go, they harvest your graves. Right. For the, yeah, I guess that's the thing that we didn't talk about. There's a, there's a drug that you can get from the bodies of the people that have taken the drug. And then it's, you know, psychoactive. And that's, yeah, the, the, the narrator is a grave robber that's been doing that. And Paul Sorvino, the head of Gene Corp, Gene Co. is going to die. And then so, a lot of people die. And a lot of people die. Yeah, I never thought about that. Similarly, I think a big difference between these movies is that Repo the Genetic Opera has a lot to say about death, about familial relationships and Mm -hmm. wanting to have a legacy after you die, but also the predatory nature of the lending industry as well as the pharmaceutical industry. And uh, it says things about addiction and Metallica's Through the Never, even though it has a police right in the movie, has literally no point. That's that that goes into my difference that I have. <laughs> that repo What's feels very political. Oh it's yeah. Talking about, you know, the monetization of healthcare and like you said, drug use, addiction, Stockholm syndrome. Yeah. yeah like and sure. then through the never everything is inherently political in some way, but it just feels right. very non-political. <laughs> right. That's the thing. The political nature of through the never is that they can make a movie with a police riot. And it's not, it doesn't, it's not, there's no political message. Like yeah. the, the idea that if your movie is apolitical, that is, that is in and of itself a political message. Cause it shows the ability to make something not political, which then yeah. shows, you know, at the very least privilege or whatever else. And the fact that Metallica (laughs) can have as the climax of this movie, essentially, or at the very least, the inciting incident, uh, a fight between rioters and police officers on the street and have it mean nothing. (laughs) Like, the police officers are non-specific. There's no iconography. Rioters rioters are there for. You don't know what the cops are there for. You don't know why there's blood everywhere, except that it's a riot. But even before the riot, there's still blood everywhere. There's nothing. That's not the purpose of it. And it's not like they're hiding it. They're like, oh, we've tucked the... No, it's nothing. (laughs) It's the weirdest thing. I have no idea. I mean, I just think, like, what if they they really were like, damn, that's a good political message we just put in there. (laughs) Except, like, it just... Maybe you have to be really high to understand it i don't know <laughs> i think it's funny too that like this is what i found on the wikipedia page after we talked it after we watched it the robert trujillo's uh little bit about it when he says we've obviously been influenced by some of the great music films of the past the song remains the same or what pink floyd did with the wall uh but this is pretty unique it's like a cross between mad mac and mad max and the twilight zone it's none of those <laughs> things it's literally I, none of those things. I, I can barely see where they're going with Twilight Zone. Barely. Barely. And I guess, like, the song remains the same. It's kind of... The song remains the same, if I remember right, is also a concert video. Yeah, it's a concert film. 
it is not like Pink Floyd's The Wall because Pink Which Floyd's is The Wall is so a rock opera, like Repo, the genetic <laughs> opera, and incredibly political. Metallica's Through the Never, the songs are do not dictate the plot. <laughs> if anything, the plot dictates the songs because he smashes the hammer into the ground and they, ha- they can't, they have to play garage band style mm-hmm. for the rest of the movie. But he kills uh, it's, justice. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> the political nature of the movie <laughs> is that Metallica songs have a political bent occasionally because it's metal and, and they do. <laughs> but even that, it's not it's not about the songs. It's not about the it's lyrics really of the songs, at least. So it's I, I feel like I'm speaking disparagingly about a movie that I really considered putting in and watching later on today. But I feel like if you don't like Metallica, don't even think no. about it. Oh, no. <laughs> if you are kind of eh, on an opera or you're like meh about some of the things that Repo the Genetic Opera has to offer, I would still say, oh, give it a shot. Because I think that there's some stuff in there that is interesting for everybody. But if you don't like Metallica's music... You will not like anything from Metallica through the never because the stuff that is not Metallica's music is marginally pretty and mostly useless. Yep. So that said, I enjoy that movie. Right. I love it. (laughs) I own it on Blu-ray. I I went out of my way specifically to get it because I like it a lot. It was it's been on it's been on the shelf for a while now of a potential movie to watch Mm -hmm. for the podcast, paired with different things depending. Um, I almost got to go see it at the premiere with Kirk Hammett. Like that would, that I'm, I was very excited about this that movie. Been cool. And when I watched it the first time and I got to the end, I was like, that's weird, but I wasn't disappointed. That being said, I feel like you could easily be disappointed in this movie. And in fact, I think my Metallica fan cousin that loves Metallica so much, he's like, oh yeah, even like Lulu, that's a great album. I think even he was a little bit disappointed in this movie, if I remember right. So, anyways, uh, an interesting difference, I think, is that Repo the Genetic Opera, for all of its metal feeling and look, is it's not really metal music. Yeah. At no point did I, I, did I think that's like a metal song. Like industrial rock, maybe. Yeah. But not, it's, it's not, the parts of it that aren't overtly opera or rock opera-y are really just sort of good, but rock music. Yeah. Which I thought was interesting for a movie that looks as hardcore as it does. But I think probably ultimately a good choice if uh, you want your really bizarre movie to be the least amount of alienating possible. So... That's the thing I think we can talk about. So we've talked before on the podcast about uh, before the podcast, really sort of the the what, progenit, progenitor, mm-hmm. the the father of the the godfather of the podcast was a series of movie marathons that T Dog and I did when we lived in an apartment together, and they were always four movies, and they were related in some way, mm-hmm. uh, other than the ones that were like. All the Pirates movies, all the Star Wars, all Lord of the Rings. Right. We had the right. themed ones. But uh, like we talked, I think, was it last month we talked about the Christmas ones? Mm-hmm. We've talked about some of the ones that we've done. Uh, and for the for a while, 
there was a there was one that we did. I can't remember which marathon it was, and like nobody showed up. It might have been pirates. And, you know, it might have been. Although I remember at least Major was there for that. That was because he slept there, though. Yeah, that's true. But there was yeah, there was one where like nobody showed up, and it was that month where we were like, the next time nobody shows up, we're gonna do the super alienating movie <laughs> music movie marathon. And yeah. I don't think at any point was Repo the Genetic Opera on that list, but I feel like it could have easily been. Yeah, I, I didn't really know about it then. But I feel like there's a lot of really great movies or rock operas, I guess, that would fit in well with that. We did Pink Floyd's The Wall mm-hmm. before on this podcast, uh, and it w- it fits really well with that. What did we pair The Wall with? I I have recorded this podcast. I should know. Let's see. You've typed it far more often than I have. Bohemian Rhapsody. That's right. Which would not fit, I think, on that Uh that particular marathon. But Pink Floyd's The Wall would, as well as Repo and Metallica's Through the Never and Interstellar 5555, Mm -hmm. The Story of the Secret Star System, which is uh, an anime movie with Daft Punk's album Discovery as the through line. I think, interestingly enough, that would have paired well with Metallica's Through the Never because Metallica's Through the Never is a concert video where the songs have nothing to do with the plot mm-hmm. as opposed to Discovery, where like it fits so well. <laughs> that is my answer like, for a question you're going to ask later. Ah, what would you pair this with? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what I was well, I guess we can, I mean, we can, we can blend in. We've got, I think we're pretty much done with similarities and differences. We can blend that in now. What about Interstellar 5555? Would you like, what would that conversation look like? What are things that, what are similarities that you like about these movies and differences? I feel like the, in both of those, the music is forefront. Yeah. And just it, the fact that the music was not written for either of those movies, I think is, is an important distinction that makes them feel that way, that feel similarity, but all the different from anything else, something like Repo. That's why Mamma Mia would also fit. <laughs> I haven't seen Mamma Mia. I got to say, I quite love it, but I don't know that I would recommend it. <laughs> I, I feel like I would like it, though, to be honest. I think I own the second one. My parents own the first one. We between the two of us, we can hook you up. But it's and then before uh, it's we watch not... the second one, I have to be like, here we go again. <laughs> That's what it's called. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> what would you pair through the never with? I think. Oh well, what I wanted to pair through the never with, what I was going to pair through the never with, I think. Oh no, no, this is what through the never replaced. Uh, there is a guy named Jeff Wayne that wrote a rock opera oh, for yeah. H.G. Uh, Wells' War of the Worlds. And it started as just an album. And the album itself is amazing. And then he did uh, like an updated version of the album with some newer, like some different actors and stuff. Because he did a concert with these people and then made a new album with it. Uh, but then like he released a concert video of... It. I guess he did one in the 80s, which is really hard to find. But then he did one again uh, in the 2000s with the cast uh, at that time. 
And it's, yeah, it's just this rock opera about War of the Worlds. And it's super great. Uh, the music is amazing. It's very proggy. And it's got like, there. there's two symphonies. There's the, the standard regular orchestral symphony. And then like, I can't remember what they called it, but it's like this really, it's a steampunky, almost like weird blue man group percussion and guitars and clockwork mm-hmm. faces and stuff that are the other half of the, the orchestra. And then uh, in the movie, in the concert one, the voice of the narrator, the spoken voice of the narrator is Liam Neeson. And then uh, the sung voice of the narrator that that guy is actually there. Liam Neeson is just a hologram. Uh, but then, yeah, they've got actors coming out to sing the parts and it's, it's really cool. It's not a movie. It's a, it's a recording of a stage presentation so that could disqualify it from being on here it's also impossible to find streaming and it costs thirty dollars on blu-ray so i wasn't going to make anybody go out and buy it to try and watch the movies for the podcast but i highly recommend doing it especially if you don't mind logging on to amazon uk to get it streaming there (laughs) it's quite good and i guess like metallica's through the never it's a concert which Metallica's through the never is, but unlike it, it's 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 a rock opera like Repo, which is why I wanted to pair it with Repo because they're both Halloween themed rock operas. So, here's a question for you. Well, I guess that first, other one was also a question for you. First, I have to tell you what I'd pair Repo with. Oh yeah, what are you gonna pair Repo with? Because we we're gonna talk about yeah, that's right. We we're talking about what we we're gonna pair Midnight Movie wise. Oh, Midnight. My thread is not Midnight Movie for comparison. Oh, okay. For, what are you gonna What are you gonna pair Repo with then? Hamilton. Oh. Okay. Because I think they're both in their heart, they're dramas. Yeah. It was very much a drama, and just again, like in the same way, I have through the Never and Interstellar as these songs were written and way outside of these movies. The movies are kind of an afterthought. Yeah. Um. We have like two things where they have a lot of spoken word songs and then also yeah. what they're singing is directly related to what's happening in the movie. So. Plus then you can talk about the difference between like a rock opera and a hip opera mm-hmm. of which there are not many, but there should be more. Oh, I absolutely agree with that. The only other one I can think of that has a, a an accompanying video is trapped in the closet, which has been canceled. So you can't find it anywhere anymore for a good reason. But that means that there's not a lot. Oh, there was another one. I can't remember. It's got a movie, and I wanted to watch it, and I can't remember what it is now. If you have a Facebook page, if you have a Facebook account, log on to our Facebook page and tell us which hip-hopras we should watch, and we will watch them. I want to know which other ones exist. Yeah, I do want to know. Right? All right. So uh, if you were performing in a shadow cast of Repo the Genetic Opera, Mm -hmm. who would you want to play? I have two answers. Okay. I want to be I also have two answers. the guy who extracts the drugs just so I can be like, Graves, whenever <laughs> when he's the narrator. That, that yeah. Stuff. yeah, the narrator. Um, also because he, he sings, but also he talks, and I feel like I can talk better than I can sing. Okay. And I'd also really want to be Roddy Largo. <laughs> I feel like if I just like <laughs> to be like a Godfather type guy. I don't have the look. I they they put makeup on me and stuff. It'd be fine. Yeah, they can make me look old. 
It's but, funny you should say that. Because I also had two answers, and they were also those answers. <laughs> I think it would be fun to be the narrator because I like him as a character. I think he's super interesting. I would love to wear that dope-ass coat. Uh, yeah, I think that he's cool. Dope. I want that long-ass hair. And I feel like, far more than you, uh, physically, I could pull off Roddy Largo. Well, then I'll be the graveyard guy. We got <laughs> No, I want to be the graveyard rest, guy. We just have the rest of our cast now. <laughs> Listen... You can be the graveyard guy in this if, as long as I get to pick who I get to be in Rocky Horror Picture Show when we do that. Okay. You can pick who you want to be in Through the Never also. I I want to be I want to be Kirk Hammett, but I don't think I can be. <laughs> I don't think that's allowed. It will just go just go crazy and then we'll edit it in that it looks like you're playing the instruments. I can do that. Yeah. No, I wanna be I wanna be the, the fat guy at the beginning. That is the first person to get to the concert. Yeah, the guy was like, Metallica! Fuck yeah. Also, it's late at night. Like, that concert is about to start, and he he's the first <laughs> he's person like, in. Hell no. There are people... People are tailgating a Metallica concert. You get there early. It should have been broad-ass daylight when that dude got there. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever, Metallica. <laughs> if that's the only flaw, that movie is great. Incidentally, it's not the only flaw. <laughs> What's your favorite Metallica song? They sing my favorite Metallica song, and they may have the same answer as you. Because my favorite Metallica song is One. I believe my favorite Metallica song is One. <laughs> Although I also really like The Unforgiven. Yeah. And I like Enter Nothing Sandman. Else Matters. I like Nothing Else Matters. I like Enter Sandman. I really, I mean... I like quite a lot. Metallica... And I don't know if this is a criticism. And if it is, I think it's probably a fair criticism. Metallica is one of those bands where, like, you can listen to their greatest hits album and be fine. But oh, also their greatest hits album is amazing. So yeah, there's everything on there is is a hit. It's quite a banger. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like but, most of the Metallica songs I know and love would end up on a greatest hits album. Yep. Yeah, I, could, I really I like mean, Saint Anger. That song, the album's been angry and no one likes the album. So, <laughs> Well, I mean, comparatively, now that other albums have come out, people are like, well, St. Anger's not that bad. That's just what happens. <laughs> Some people think that Warlords of Draenor was a good World of Warcraft expansion at this point. I mean, it was. It's because we're a couple expansions beyond it now. Warlords is amazing. I got to have my house. That's true. I liked having a house. There was another B-side Metallica song that I thought, this is good and it'll never be on a Greatest Hits, but I can't remember what it is now. That makes me think about how one of my other favorite bands, which is Modest Mouse, almost all their songs are like B-sides. Everyone knows Float On and then almost no other song, (laughs) and they're all really good. They just sound, they're just not, I don't know, not marketable. (laughs) There was a... There was a a thread on Twitter the other day that I responded to. Um, let me see if I can find it again real Are quick. Are you going to win something? Is that what he responded? No, I oddly, <laughs> I didn't win anything from it because there wasn't anything to win. And surprisingly, it was interacting with a famous person, which I'm like, I don't want to be the person that interacts with a famous person on social media. But I did, and then they replied. So, okay. But let's see. Uh, it was a question about like songs by bands that are not their well-known song, but still Mm -hmm. should have been, should have been, yeah, should have been a hit. 
and oh, I don't know if I can find it anymore. Uh, but one of the things like there's a there's a band called Nazareth, and really they're only here it is. <clears throat> this person uh, Donna Halper, who uh, was a famous radio DJ uh, in Wisconsin, Cleveland, Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, she says, as a former DJ, I sometimes find myself remembering certain songs I played. I was just thinking of hard rock bands that had unexpected hit songs when they recorded a ballad. Um, like Beth by Kiss or The Flame by Cheap Trick. And I was thinking about this album because I put it on, I put a song from it on a playlist with Devin, but Love Hurts is by the band Nazareth. And it's off of their album, Hair of the Dog, which is named after the first song on the album, Hair of the Dog, which is the song Don't Go Messing with the Son of a Bitch. And that's also a wildly popular rock song. And they're two very different I have that album on vinyl. It's a great album. The thing is, I think that every other song on that album is amazing. I feel like every other song on that album should be talked about as Mm -hmm. like... Prominently. Right. as, As Hair of the Dog and Love Hurts. Like... Oh, what's the, I think I put Miss Misery on the playlist. It's an amazing song. And Please Don't Judas Me is great. It's like 10 minutes long, so it's not going to be played on the radio. That song's awesome. And no, we think about, generally speaking, it's it's just those two. Mm-hmm. So I don't know where I was going with that, but uh, you should listen to that whole Nazareth album if, if you're a person. You, you said Cleveland, and I heard the rest of what you said, but in my head now it's like, Come on down to Cleveland Town, everyone. <laughs> Under construction since 1868. <laughs> We're not Detroit. <laughs> uh, have you, this is, I guess, because we're, we're approaching the end of our, our Halloween month. Have you mm-hmm. watched any scary movies yet this month? I don't think so. I don't think that I have. To be honest, <laughs> I watched any the first twenty watch? seconds of the of a trailer on Netflix. <laughs> that's, that's basically it. You've been watching Lovecraft Lovecraft Country. Lovecraft. Oh yeah, that's that's like a scary thing, I guess. That counts. Although yeah, I haven't watched that? any of it this month. Oh well, I think it's been. A, <laughs> I know the season finale was Sunday. It's. I'm, I think we're on. We watched four or five episodes, and then we. What do you think? I think just forgot about it. Um, I liked it a lot. It, it does. It's, it's, it's obviously the point of the show that yes, there's these crazy monsters and spells and evil wizards and shit, but that's not the scary part. The scariest part is these people traveling through Jim Crow country and shit. And like, there's the, the horrible racist people that are there is, uh, is like 10 times scarier than the monsters. And I get that. That's like the whole point of the show. Um, that's the point of all of the best horror. I think it's man the, is the real monster. It's the in the first episode, so it's not really a spoiler. They go to this cafe that's supposed to be because one of the characters writes this guide for like, this, if you're African American, this is how you go through these areas without yeah. getting killed. Because like, here are the good hotels to stay at. Here are the good places to stop. Um, so they're checking out what is supposed to be a, a black owned diner in somewhere in like. Arkham, Massachusetts, I think, or they're shortly outside of there. And they get there and they walk in and it's just like two white guys and they both look very upset that they walked in, but he's like, no, fuck it. We're just going to sit down. We're going to order some food. Uh, later, everything's all they find. They see that like everything's painted white. It almost looks like 
like an old like malt shop or something like that. Yeah. One of the characters is like, hey, uh, remind me, why is the White House painted white? And he goes like, well, because the British burned it and they covered, they covered everything up. And then the guy kicks a tile and it comes off and it's just black underneath because they burned the old one. They burned the other people out, basically. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, no. And they like, you know, there's like a car chase of people trying to kill him. Firefighters, actually. So those are some great guys in that uh, town. <laughs> but it, it was just like the whole thing's terrifying. So that was yeah. scary. Yeah, that's probably the scariest thing I've watched this month. There you go. Also, you should watch Color Out of Space. I do really want to watch Color Out of Space because I love Lovecraft. That was highly unnerving. Media. I don't love Lovecraft, the man. <laughs> I love the media that he helped create. You love Lovecraftian things. Yes. Yes. That's fair. There's a, I, I think, I mean, Devin and I have watched a, a number of horror movies already this month. And one of the ones we watched was Rosemary's Baby. And we were talking about it afterwards. Well, we watched Rosemary's Baby and we watched the uh, Until the Light Takes Us, the documentary about black metal music in mm-hmm. the 90s in Norway. Um, and both times we're talking about like, how, how, how do you enjoy really great art from horrible, horrible people? Yep. And That's in the case of Rosemary's film, right? Baby... Do what? Oh yeah, it's yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's Roman Polanski, yeah. and so I I waited for the Criterion Blu-ray to be used somewhere. So I'm like, boom, yeah. <laughs> he don't get none don't of my money. Support him. <laughs> don't want to support Varg either. Nope. That's why I don't listen to his music on Spotify because I know that he gets. I'm guessing he gets money from it. I don't know how he would get that. He seems like the kind of a guy to be like, no. He seems to be a guy not on board with streaming in general. So yeah, well, especially now that YouTube kicked him off. So, uh, anyways, I think that we're, we're close to, uh, wrapping up. I think that we've, we've gotten sufficiently far away from what our purpose was tonight. True. We, we can loop it back with what I think is your last question about like, isn't it a favorite midnight movie? Oh yeah. Midnight movies that I've seen. Yeah. What, let's talk about some midnight movies, I guess. Yeah. I forgot about that. So a midnight movie being like a cult classic, movie that they may show at midnight at a theater. What are some midnight movies you've seen and love? So the wall is, I just love that movie anyway. I'm sure I talked about how much I love it when we did it on the podcast. Um, And then I didn't, I didn't think it would count as one. And then you brought it up when we were talking before we started recording that the room, it was kind of a midnight movie. And yeah. And I love that movie for just, it's pure like meme potential. Yeah. Because it's, it's just a, so, it's it's the movie that's supposed to be the worst movie, according to so many people, you know? <laughs> they show it pretty regularly here in Dallas in theaters at midnight. Uh, I, f- I think the Angelica used to do it. So once theaters are a thing again, we should go, we should go see that. And then we should go see a shadow cast of Rocky Horror Picture Show, because I feel like that's an important thing to do. Hopefully Tommy Wiseau will show up to both of those things. I mean, he shows up to the former a lot, but I could easily showing it, see him showing up to the latter. I like a lot of midnight movies. I like weird genre movies just in general. I'm looking at some of the ones on the Wikipedia page that are listed. I like Rocky Horror Picture Show. I like Eraserhead. I like The Warriors. I like Heavy Metal. I like Pink Floyd's The Wall, Repo Man, and Repo the Genetic Opera, Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. I just, I like, I like weird things. I like weird things that take themselves seriously. I like weird things that don't take themselves seriously. You know, yeah. 
so I just like I like these kinds of weird movies. I got to say though, as much as I liked the heavy metal, I was surprised at the just overwhelming lack of heavy metal. Yeah. The movie Heavy Metal has like no heavy metal in it. It has, let's see. Uh It has a Nazareth song, so I guess there's that and we've got uh a Black Sabbath song and that's and a Blue Oyster Cult song. That's it. Everything else there is not metal. Don't know that. Yeah, I don't know how metal Blue Oyster Cult is. Not very. Certainly not heavy metal. No. I mean, like Godzilla is a little bit heavier. Yeah. And you can see the ways that it that it moved into it. Oh, I guess there's a Sammy Hagar song. But like Devo. Is there like is there like a Godzilla core metal subgenre? Because <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. I think, that's just, I think that's just dubstep. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I mean, Gojira, I guess, is Godzilla core, but it's also whale core. Yeah. Maybe, I mean, King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard has some very yeah. metal y songs. I wouldn't yeah. call them a metal band, but they they have no, some. But they've got stuff. they've got some metal songs. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I guess I guess that's that's it for this week. Uh, you should watch Repo the Genetic Opera for uh, for Halloween, and maybe have Metallica's Through the Never On in the background. I'm not not saying you got to do that. Or you can just listen to the Greatest Hits album, and yeah, it's the same thing, <laughs> basically. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, thank you for, uh, for listening and, uh, keep watching movies. Stay curious. And, uh, we love you. We love you.